Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe in the Big Rig, one of my closest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he is a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight, no chaser. I'm glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode five of Jock Talk. Yeah, it's been fun. We're trying to get here. We're still working out the kinks, but uh, I like the direction that it's going. This is the Jock Talk podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Come hang out with your boys for a while. This is episode five. Asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled, if not entertained. See, that's kind of a throwback to jam session days. And the story behind that is we were always told to be entertaining and dazzling on the podcast. And if you did that, people would tune in and listen. Uh, we have, again, a loaded show. That's me, Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's Big Joe the Big Rig, who produces the show uh, he'll be chiming in from time to time, or maybe time to time after that. Um, especially with the Cowboys, because uh, that's his thing. He's a big football fan, always has been. We kind of bonded over that in video games years ago. Uh, but today, uh, we're going to talk about a few things. Number one on the list is, who wins the game? <laughs> really don't get no, base, no more basic than that. That's a breakdown of the Jets and the Cowboys who meet Sunday at AT&T Stadium. Uh, we'll take a quick dive into college football in the weekend coming up. We'll look at the NFL and what's going on with there. We'll take a trip around the block. That's where we talk about the local things, the things that move me, whether it's food or streaming or something going on uh, in my world. And then, yeah, your boy didn't let you down. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Then we got whispers from the start. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast on Fridays. During the football season. Don't be fooled by pretenders dying to dial on our other podcasts who try to steal our names and our content. We know who they are. They know who they are. Don't worry about them. Whispers from the stars back. It's that news you can only see here. We get nowhere else but the Jock Talk podcast. I even got Big Joe to send me a question this week. Something he was interested about. And I tracked down the answer. He sounded very excited when I texted him. Oh, that yeah. I had to answer for him today. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into who wins and why. Um, this game was not nearly as exciting, at least on paper, after the news came out that Aaron Rodgers had uh, torn his Achilles and would be out. Uh, at that point, I think we all thought, or we should have probably all thought, this Cowboys dub. They are favored by nine and a half points. Now, to me, that's a whole lot of points in an NFL game. Even with Zach Wilson starting, that's a whole lot of points. But that being said, um, it's an interesting game. Uh, now, I want to give you guys the latest. Brandon Cooks on the, on the um, injury report with a sprained MCL. Could be worse, but hey, a sprained ACL would be worse, I think. But a sprained MCL is nothing to play with. Um, he's walking without a limp, uh, didn't practice today, and so we'll see 
what happens to him uh, going into Sunday. Uh, I do know this, and I ain't bringing no news here. It will be a much more difficult task offensively if Brandon Cooks doesn't play. And why is that? Well, easy. It's obvious. Brandon Cooks, I mean, Jalen Tolbert is no Brandon Cooks. Jalen Tolbert is still waiting to catch uh, his third and fourth and fifth and sixth NFL passes. Brandon, uh, Brandon um, Cooks is a perennial 1,000-yard receiver. And ha-ha, how about this? We all know the trick is it don't matter who's playing quarterback for him. So if he can't go, it is a big loss. Now, on the flip side, it's week two of a long, long, long NFL journey. All right? So if he ain't right, I don't know if I, if I want to rush him back against the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, I might want to rush him back. Without Aaron Rodgers, with Zach Wilson in charge of the offense, I might just be like, you know what? I don't really care if we win 9-3, to 6-3, to or 3 to nothing. I'm not risking Brandon Cooks in a game that we should be able to win because the Jets shouldn't be able to do anything with our offense. That would be my thought if I was a coach, I think. Um, so we'll see what happens with Brandon Cooks, but his, uh, his availability is a big deal. Uh, because we don't know, uh, Jalen Tobert had a nice, nice preseason, no doubt about that. But we all know it's the difference between preseason and regular season. Um, the other thing, and uh, we'll delve into it in just a little bit, is the question of Michael Gallup and where he fits if Brandon Cooks doesn't play. Uh, somebody else popped up on the injury report today, and I'm trying to figure out just how concerned I am. Your boy, your right guard. Zach Martin showed up on the injury report with a uh, strained groin. Now, my initial thought is, well, when you miss all the training camp, these these, 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 uh, soft tissue issues occur, whether it's hamstrings or groins. That's kind of symbolic or symptomatic of what happens when you don't go through training camp, uh, for whatever reason. Um, So we will see. Now, he did talk to the media today, which to me, now this for whatever it's worth, uh, makes me think that it's not the end of the world because if it were the end of the world, most athletes, especially a guy like Zach, be like, I don't need to spend 15 minutes talking to them. That's 15 minutes I could be getting stem on my groin or ice bath or whatever. Uh, but since he did talk to the media, I have a feeling that he'll play. Uh, he's not a guy who traditionally has injuries that force him to miss games. He is a tough guy, and so I would expect him to play. Uh, so when you look at the offense, though, man, uh, let's assume that uh, Zach Martin plays right guard. Uh, I don't think Tyler, Tyler Smith is playing this week, so you'll get Yudoga back at uh, left guard again this week with Tyron Smith at left tackle. Uh, so the offensive line is still a little bit compromised. But Michael Gallup, um, here's the guy who got a five-year, $62 million contract two years ago, uh, was hurt most of last year, didn't play very well, didn't contribute much. Uh, and we talked about this uh, 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 with Clarence Hill and Newey Scruggs on, a, uh, on another show I did. We talked a little bit about excuses and reasons. Now, we can have a debate about this. Uh, and, and if you have kids, you've probably had this conversation a thousand times. This is my interpretation. An excuse is, it's not my fault because A, B, and C. Okay. It's not my fault I ran out of gas. I didn't know it was on empty. See, that's an excuse to me. A reason is, oh, here's why what happened happened that wasn't good, 
and here's the explanation behind it. That to me is you trying to own it and say, hey, it's, it's not that it was an excuse. Here's what really happened. So Michael Gallup, I was hurt. I came back as fast as I could, but my body wouldn't let me cooperate and do all the things I wanted to do. That to me is not an excuse. That's a reason for my lack of productivity. Now you could argue, hey Taylor, check this out, dog. It don't really matter. At the end of the day, did you put up the numbers that we paid you to put up or, or did you not put them up? That's all we really care about, the bottom line. And to a certain degree, I could dig that. I think it is, I don't know how you can expect him to put those numbers up when he's not fully back. When he's not fully back. Hey, man. Uh, people got all kind of unrealistic expectations. True that. We paid you $62 million. We need you to produce. Um, you know, so, I mean, so I get it. I understand all about where it's coming from. Uh, but I do know this. If he plays, uh, if uh, Brandon Cooks, who we, who we can assume will be compromised some, uh, well, that's going to give Michael Gallup some opportunities. And uh, we'll see what he does because he didn't get a whole lot of them in the first game. Um, and so, you know, the Cowboys had to lead. It was in the rain. There was no need to really, um, you know, do anything out of the ordinary or try to push the envelope or do anything uh, that could potentially put the game and, you know, put any of your players in jeopardy. Um, so Michael Gallup, one catch, 10 yards, two targets. All right. So he should get more action this week. Um, and they're going to need him because uh, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, two terrific corners for the Jets. And uh, they're going to need him to play. Uh, they're also going to need to get the running game going. Tony Pollard, 14 for 75-yard average. That's about what he does, man. Uh, he had the big 25-yard run, which was kind of perfectly blocked. And so they're going to need the running game to take pressure off of Dak and stay in these manageable third-down situations. Uh, one thing that came out of the game, man, and uh, you can speak to this, uh, Joe, is that Dak Prescott held the ball for 2.1 seconds before he got it out. That was the fastest release in general uh, in the NFL this week. This week, nobody got the ball out of their hands consistently faster than Dak. Um, that's part of the, what was the what they wanted to do with the offense, and um, what is the big deal behind that? Do you think? I think it's what we talked about before when you talk about um, the old offense. You're asking guys to go out and beat their guys, right? This offense, everybody, you know, you are scheming to get guys open. So in my mind, I'm thinking when Dak knows, okay, I got four different routes. I got to see. I think when he comes, when he came to the line of scrimmage last year, he had to mentally decide, look at the matchups and say, "Hey, I think this guy might win." And then he would stare that guy down, or maybe look off and come back to him and try to force it to him anyway. But when you design and plays to get guys open, you're not aiming the ball. You know where it's going. One, two, three, bow, get that thing out. That's what you call what's what you call that? The 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 Texas Coast offense. Is that <laughs> yeah. what you said? Right. Yeah, that's what they call. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, hey man, get it out of there. Let them do the work. You don't have to do all the work. I like it. I like it. I like it. I think that's what it is to me. This is a week. This is not a week that you gotta be fancy. Uh the Jets offense to me is uh, they got some good skill position people. Brees Hall had uh hundred and something yards. He had 83 on one carry. Uh, but, you know, and they got uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, they got Garrett Wilson at receiver. They have some weapons on offense. 
But to me, and again, I don't think I'm breaking any news, the game has always been about the quarterback. But can I, and if can you don't I, have a quarterback. Can I say something? Can I say yes. something to that? Here's the thing. They built, you know, the quarterback is the driver. I've always said the quarterback is the driver. The the offense that he's that he gets in is the car. They built that car for Aaron Rodgers, right? That means that the personnel that that Zach Wilson played with last year, even is not the same in attitude and talent and all of that. So yeah, he 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 is the worst quarterback than I mean, Zach definitely Aaron Rodgers is better than him. But man, he's driving a nicer car this year. I just wanted to add that. No, he's driving a nicer car. Um, but, I mean, and so that gives him a chance to make some plays just because you got better players around you. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, he's still Zach Wilson. So, yeah, he has the ability as a former second pick in the draft to make some good throws and do some things that show you, flash some things to show you why he was the second p- player picked in the draft. Right. His problem is consistency. You know, and that's the difference between average, good, and great players in the league. It's consistency. And, um, you know, right now he doesn't have a whole lot. And, you know, I don't know that he has all that much confidence. And so if you're the Cowboys defense, what's the one thing you don't want to get at, man? It's confidence. You yeah. want to come out yeah. and play really well early. You got to so make him uh, you gotta get make any him, confidence. You got to make him uh, feel like a loser again. You got to hit him. You got to get him. Hey, I'm going to remind you who you are. Question is, did he learn anything from Aaron? How much? How much? Aaron? How much? How much can Aaron speak into him? How much did he see by you know going to training camp, watching a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, do it? Sometimes it rubs off. Sometimes it don't. Well, I think um, if you listen to Robert Sala this week, one of the things he said. Now you know you can go into a bunch of different thoughts on why he said what he said, but. You know, he said they were, when Aaron Rodgers came, he brought a certain attitude, a certain swagger with him. And if he's not going to play, he wanted the quarterback who replaced him to be somebody who had ex- been exposed to Aaron Rodgers' swagger and Aaron Rodgers' approach and Aaron Rodgers' attitude. And so that's why, you know, it's either Joe Flacco or, it's, or it's Zach Wilson, and you give Wilson the first crack because, A, you think he has a higher ceiling if he ever figures it out and, and shows the potential that made you take him with the second pick in the draft. And you can always go back to Flacco, the, 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 uh, the old veteran, and you know exactly what you're going to get. But you can ride the young guy now uh, until he tells you by performance that he's not capable of doing anything. And then you can make the switch. But if you go with Flacco now, you're really telling Wilson – there's never, ever, never, ever, never going to be a spot for you in this organization. And so Amen. I think that's why they went with Wilson. Yep. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the, the Cowboys defense. Um, they played great last week. Uh, 171 yards to the Giants, seven sacks. Uh, I think five different players had sacks. Uh, Odigizua had two. Doris Armstrong had two. Micah had one. Uh, they forced five fumbles, which is a huge number. Uh, that, to me, I mean, yeah, it was raining, but the Cowboys didn't fumble at all, I don't think. Uh, they were bringing that bike, as we used to say when I was growing up. Uh, they were bringing that wood. They were hitting hard, and they were popping those balls out with the physicality. 
And uh, the Jets' offensive line has been a struggle all through training camp. For those of you who took a peek at Hard Knocks, you heard Robert Sala talk about the offensive line almost every week in terms of what they weren't giving and what they weren't doing. And so here in the first game, man, um, they had 289 yards in 53 plays against Buffalo's defense. All right, now that's a bad day at the office. It's even worse when you consider Bryce uh, Hall had an 83-yard run. So they really had like 206 yards on 52 plays, which is 3.9 per play, which is atrocious. Uh, I think the best teams in the league are about six and a half yards a play. Uh, 3.9 is atrocious. And so to me, man, the Cowboys' defense played great last week. Um, I believe... And I don't, again, y'all know me. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I believe they're going to stack the box, eight, eight and a half in the box, and tell Zach, Zach that, uh, hey, Doc, you're going to have to beat us with your arm before we respect you. But we're not going to let Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall run up and down the field on us yep. and keep you in manageable situations. Yep. The problem with the Jets is uh, their system is flawed. Um, one of the, they, their shorter pass plays, they like to cut block. That's one of the things Aaron Rodgers hated. You know, when you cut, when you try to cut block an athletic defensive end, when you miss, or if you don't get that guy, you got to, the offensive lineman got to get up off the ground and chase him. So that's why that's a problem. That's going to be definitely be a problem versus the Cowboys if they try to use that same that same type of stuff on short passes. Um, and then the final part of the game. Is obviously the special teams. Uh, Brandon Aubrey had an awful start, missing an extra point, way left. Uh, but he came back and, and, and did well, kicked a couple field goals. And an important thing in today's league, he put all eight of his kickoffs in the back of the end zone, no returns. Uh, Greg Zerline, y'all remember him? He's a Dallas a couple years ago. Greg uh, He's kicking for the Jets. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a good, solid kicker. Uh, he's supposed to be healthy now, so we'll see. He made three field goals against the Bills, 26, 43, and 30 yards. Now, the Jets won the game. Why, dog? They had a 65-yard punt return from Xavier Gibson for a touchdown. Um, so special teams is a way that they can keep the game close. Woodrow Wilson. I'm sorry. Woodrow Wilson, Xavier Gibson. There you go. Went 65 yards on the punt return. Home of Tim Brown and Davey O'Brien, yes, uh, two Heisman Trophy winners. You know, I'm a product of DISD, same as Tim Brown and Davey O'Brien and Xavier Gibson. So that's how we get down in Dallas Independent School District. You just forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> so uh, the Jets uh, will try to win the game. We'll try at least win special teams and see if they can get an edge there to, uh, to help them win the game. I don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, nine and a half points is a lot to me in the NFL. Normally – when I do picks for all these different publications and stuff, I almost always take the, the underdog to cover in a uh, nine-and-a-half point spread. And I spent all day saying I would think the Jets would cover. And then just now talking about this, I've convinced myself the Cowboys would cover. And here's why. I got the Cowboys winning the game 20-7. to seven. That's what I think. And that would uh, obviously be 13 points. And that would be a Cowboys cover. And all of America... This Cowboys fan would be happy if the Cowboys started off 2-0 and uh, coming up with Arizona, which, if you play the way you're supposed to play, should make you 3-0 and 
going into uh, New England? I got, I think I got, uh, I want to say 17 10. Because nice. we, we, we struggling on, we struggling, you know, we shuffling around on, on the offensive line. And the only thing I can say is we got to trust in Mike, Mike McCarthy's offense to get that ball out quick. They can do that. They can keep the ball down away from them corners and get it out quick and have a little balance. I think we can do it. But I think it's going to be tough because they got a lot of good young players on defense. All right. Joe's got it 17-10. I've got it 20-7. to Both of us have the Cowboys winning. Um, Joe's got them not covering. I've got them covering. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll see. But uh, let's see if the Cowboys get it done. As we move into the NFL, Aaron Rodgers sprained, I mean, torn Achilles out for the year. It's kind of what we thought when we saw it uh, after replay. A lot of people speculated it. Uh, the one thing is, though, man, he put a note out on Instagram the other day that talked about um, whether he was going to come back and... Uh, I was, I was trying to figure out how it went. I remember Robert Sala talking uh, right after the game like there was no way he could see Aaron Rodgers not coming back um, to play. And so, you know, I think um, obviously he had probably just being around him had a feel like he wouldn't like he would come back. And so Aaron Rodgers put something out on uh, Twitter or Instagram that basically said, hey, people, I appreciate everybody who's reached out to me. Um, you know, it's devastating. I'm going through a lot of emotions right now. And then at the end, he said, but I shall rise again. And so Aaron Rodgers, it sounds like, will try to come back for the start of the 2024 season. And I'm asking you as a former player, he'll be 40 then. How does an Achilles affect a 40-year-old quarterback? Well, Aaron is pretty mobile, you know. He uses his legs just, you know, he'll slide around. He'll run the throw. Uh, that's part of his game. He, he's not Tom Brady. Tom Brady was was kind of Tom, – Tom Brady had phone booth quickness where he kind of moved in a short area. Um, Aaron is more of a run – you know, uh, more scramble to throw type of guy. Movement is part of his game. I think it will be hard for him just to stand still. And, and, and I think he'll be a sitting duck because he ain't used to playing like that. But well, that was my thought. I mean, he was, you know, Dan Marino was always a pocket passer. But it was hard to watch Dan Marino play after he tore his Achilles because he literally couldn't move. Uh, obviously, technology and science has come a long way. Uh, but I, I'm like, the way he plays the game, because he does a lot of movement. He does a lot of throwing on the run. He does a lot of escaping and looking downfield and buying time and hitting deep passes that I just wonder, man. Um, like, he was talking about playing until he was 45 just a couple weeks ago. I wonder if he's going to get more than next year out of his body because uh, these defensive linemen are bigger, faster than they've ever been. The linebackers and safeties are bigger and faster than they've ever been. And, uh, you know, man, I just don't know if he's going to survive this. It's, it's sad, but... As many NFL players have told me over the years, it's a rare dude 
who gets to pick the way he goes out. Normally, the game retires you or the team retires you. It's very rare. Many NFL players have told me that, uh, that you get to retire yourself. Uh, you know, man, I typically side with the players in all instances when it comes to holding out and making money. But I just got to keep it real with you. This Chris Jones holdout with the, uh, with the Chiefs is about the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And here's why. What is the pur- This is a rhetorical question. What is the purpose of holding out? The purpose of holding out is I've outperformed my contract. I'd like a new contract. And since you don't seem inclined to give me one, I'm going to withhold my services until time that you think I should get a new deal. So the Chiefs, the defending champs, come out and lose the opener to Detroit. 21-20. It doesn't matter how much they lost by, they lost. They got Jacksonville coming up, which is a sneaky game, because Jacksonville is actually pretty good. I believe... Well, let me say it like this. I thought that that loss meant that Chris Jones, who had, uh, you know, I think he was third in the league in sacks, led defensive tackles in sacks last year. I thought that gave him all the leverage, man. In terms of, hey, y'all 0-1. Y'all need me. Y'all want to be 0-2. Y'all, y'all need to pay me. Instead, instead, I read a story a couple days after the game um, Chris Jones has agreed to a one-year deal and it's almost all incentive-laden. Like he lost the $1.1 million. They didn't rescind those fines. He lost that. And the new deal doesn't make it up to him unless he's like defensive MVP in a year where we know who's going to be the defensive MVP. Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons or Nick Bosa in all likelihood. Maybe Aaron Donald makes a comeback. But it's not going to be Chris Jones unless he just plays crazy out of his mind. And I don't think he'll play that great. Not great to be defensive MVP. And my point is, did you do all of that just to miss training camp? (laughs) If that was the case, you should have just had a held in. I'm going to show up out of good faith, fellas, but I'm not going to practice till we get a deal done. That would have been better. Than to lose the 1.1 and have nothing added to your contract. I don't understand these guys. Maybe he feel like he get more money elsewhere. Maybe he feel like if he play this one year, and then you know, will he be a free? He'll be a free agent. Maybe he feel like if Kansas City don't pay him, somebody else will pay him. I don't know. He's still stupid though. Still Still stupid. stupid. They gonna slap their franchise tag. I mean, going nowhere. Oh well, damn. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Uh, NFL, I mean, NFL Players Union, which is comprised of the players, have done the players wrong. Uh, if, I mean, like, they should decide amongst themselves, which will never happen because there's not enough guys with, um, there's not enough guys who care about the collective. Everybody's out for themselves because their careers are so short. But, man... The one thing, you know, turf grass, okay, you can fight for that if you want to. The one thing that they need to fight for is get rid of them damn franchise tags. 
because that gives the team control of your of your services for a minimum of six and a maximum of seven years. That's that's the running back. And in the NFL, that's the running back killer right there. Not just that, but the the average NFL career is three years. So you have to play twice as long as the average to get a crack at free agency. And uh, in most cases, if you're, a, if you're a really good player, which means by the time you get free agency, you know, you're still on the back end of your career, so the money is not what you hoped it would be. And so that's what they need to get rid of. Uh, but that's me going on a rant on a rant because I can't stand uh, things that keep athletes from uh, making as much money as they can. Uh, surprise player of the week to me was Tua throwing for 466 yards. And I was talking to a couple guys this week, and the one thing that they couldn't figure out is why the hell was uh, the Chargers trying to cover Tyreek Hill, man on man? To which I said, I don't know. But that's the kind of stuff you seem to get from Brandon Staley quite a bit. Uh, he's not proved himself to be a defensive mastermind. And if he don't get that team to the playoffs this year, he's going to be somebody's good defensive coordinator next year because he's going to get popped. Yep. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, uh, you know, two of 466 is insane, man. Uh, Tyreek Hill with 200 yards receiving, 11 catches. Uh, they played the Patriots this week. Uh, they got the firepower to beat the Patriots. Uh, to me, it's just a matter of whether you can avoid the mistakes and, let the, and beat the Patriots and not beat yourselves. That if the Dolphins, because I, I look at it like this, if the Dolphins play their best football and the Patriots play their best football, then the Dolphins win. Um, so, you know, two's got to avoid the turnovers. Uh, the defense has to show up a little bit, uh, take care of the ball, and don't give, don't, give the pa- don't give the Patriots an opportunity to beat you. Yeah, two got to stay upright. That's, that's, that's the key to their whole season. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt. Um, but, uh, you know, he put on some muscle in the offseason, about 10, 15 pounds, which is hard to do. Uh, he took jujitsu so he could learn how to fall better to protect his head uh, when he got sacked. And uh, we'll see if he can continue. But it was, it was a heck of a start by him. Uh, let's run through a couple more interesting games. Uh, you have the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, that's interesting to me because, uh, you know, the Ravens played well last week. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to be 0-2 because it's so hard to get to the playoffs at 0-2. So, in that case, you kind of get a Bengals and edge. They're playing at home. But uh, they were abject on offense last week. Joe Burrow threw for a career low, uh, what was it, 82 yards. Yep. And uh, he's got to be better this week. The old line got to be better. Man, right. it was atrocious. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's your boy from Cleveland? Uh, Garrett? Garrett was clowning him. Oh, uh, yeah, he did the basketball crossover pass yes, rush move. Yep. Y'all got to see that. He acted like he was he was lined up over the center, acted like he was dribbling the basketball between his legs. Like, seriously, acted like he was dribbling the basketball between his legs like four or five times. Yep. And then right at the snap, took a hard step left, and then came back right. And, uh, you know, got all off in uh, Burrow's face. I think got a sack on that play. If not, it was a heavy pressure. If, uh, if, a couple other. If scared, couple as shit, if scared as shit was a person, it'd be the center right at that play. If you watch, uh, the, if you watch the center on that play, he looking like, yep, 
help. Right even before he snapped the ball, he was he was looking for help. Did you hear what Geno Smith said last week? Yep. <laughs> Did y'all hear what Geno Smith said last week? Yeah. Seattle's playing the Rams. Geno drops back the pass. Aaron Donald has beat his man quickly and is on him. Geno looks up. And what does he say, Joe? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I have no words. Like, I don't know if you can live that down in the locker room. You played in a lot of locker rooms. Can you live that down in the locker room? Yeah. I, I ain't never played in the You know what? I've heard it, but you got to realize that you mic'd up in the whole world going to hear it. Yeah, I've heard guys, you know, cuss at the protection or scream. You know, was, I think it was more that. I don't think I don't think that he was scared per se, but he was like, "Oh my God, y'all let that y'all let the the best player in the world just walk that through and try to kill me." Yeah, exactly. You let that twelve letter cuss word get loose. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick, a couple other interesting games this week. You got San Francisco, which blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers, going against the Rams, who blew out the uh, the Seahawks. Uh, I think San Francisco is one of the best teams in the NFC with Philly. Along with Dallas, I think the Rams will come back to earth and uh, San Francisco take care of them. And then you got a very intriguing game to me, man, the Browns and the Steelers. A lot of people don't know the Browns have a, really have a pretty good team. They got a good roster. Yeah. It's a matter of whether they, can, they believe they can win and whether Deshaun Watson will ever regain his form. I'm not ready to say he won't yet, but he ain't look like Houston Deshaun Watson yet. I didn't expect him to look like that last year. At some point this year, and I'm giving him about half a season, he need to look like Deshaun Watson of old. Otherwise, I'm going to start thinking like, dog, all those, all that stress, all that time off sapped your game away and you can't find it. Yeah, it seemed like uh, it. Yeah. It definitely You know, the Steelers, like go ahead. The Steelers are 0-1. Uh, and so, just like we talked about, nobody wants to go 0-2 because it's hard to make the playoffs if you go 0-2. So, uh, the Steelers will play with a little more desperation than the Browns, but uh, you know the Browns might just be the better team. So I'm I'm really intrigued by that game and see how it turns out. That's a quick look at the NFL right here on Jock Talk with uh, Jean Jacques Taylor, Big Joe and the Big Red producing the show. Now let's move on to my personal favorite sport, college football. I got to ask you something, though. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Colorado, Colorado State. Uh, everybody in the world is at this game. Everybody. I'm talking big noon kickoff from Fox is there. Game day ain't been in the Boulder in, since 1996. They in the house. 60 minutes, I heard, was coming. Everybody and his mama is in Colorado for Colorado, Colorado State. Now, Colorado State is not a good team. I believe wait, they wait, are. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait yes. Minute. Don't, don't rob us of the experience of being around, personally being around game day in Jackson. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, uh, well, you know, when game day shows up, uh, time, well, put it like this. Uh, 
game day at Ohio State, game day at Alabama, game day at Texas is different than game day at Jackson State or game day at Colorado. Because game day comes Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, all those places on a regular basis. Once a year, for sure, maybe twice, three times sometimes, depending on who you are. It had never been to Jackson, and so the city really put on for it. Uh, And it'll be the same way in Boulder. And what that means is time will stop when game day shows up. Uh, it'll It'll be packed. Like at Jackson State, they were probably uh, filled to capacity probably with about 12, 13, 1400 people at five in the morning. And you know, the show don't even start till like nine or 10. So they just, they're getting crunk. Uh, they had, they flew in DJ Rob from New York to uh, keep them excited. And so it's just a whole experience, man. It's uh, when it, because it, what it means is the eyes of the college football world are upon you. Um, and you know they got ESPN interviews uh, all week that they show during the game. So it's just a, it's just a whole experience. It's really cool, especially if it doesn't come to your city very often, very often. And it's an unforgettable experience for the players because why? If you're a player, man, everybody's dream is to play on college game day. It's like being on Monday Night Football, uh, especially if you're not a team that gets an opportunity to do it on a regular basis. Now I got to ask you. Did you hear what the Colorado State coach said about Deion Sanders? There's been a million reports, but, man, he said it. He didn't say it. No, he he said it. I heard him say it. Yeah. He's doing an interview um, on his coach's show, okay? Every coach has a show. This is his coach's show. And this is what he said during his weekly radio show. I don't care if they hear this in Boulder. That right there tells you I'm finna take a shot. I told ESP, I told them, ESPN, I took my hat off, I took my glasses off. I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. Um, now he playing to the crowd. Because the comments drew a lot of applause from the live audience. But, dog, I, I, this, you know, this is bigger than Dion to me. Like, I just don't understand why, as a coach, you want to talk about what another coach is wearing or doing or, any of that, or anything like that. That's just me. I'd be like, you go do you, I'm going to do me, and then we're going to show up on Saturday and find out who got the better team. Uh, Dion responded because you know all of his stuff is taped and he's on practice and he goes I'm minding my own this is Dion talking I'm minding my own business watching some film trying to get ready trying to get out here and be the best coach I can be I look up and I read some bull junk that they had said about us once again Sanders told his team why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody all we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they done messed around and made it what? Personal. If it was just, it just going to be a good game, and they done messed around and made it personal, it was going to be a great task, a battle for Colorado, but they done messed up 
and made it personal. Later, Sanders is shown in the golf cart at practice saying, now he's messing with my mama. No, for real, dog. When I heard that, my initial thought was, I mean, it's kind of whack to me. That's an old school term to say, you know, I take my hat and my glasses off. Okay, whatever, whatever. When you added the part that said, that's what my mother taught me, you taking a shot at that man's mama. Now, I don't know about y'all, but where I grew up, you talk about my mom, I'm finna bust you upside the head. Now, you might end up beating me up, but I'm gonna bust you upside the head for talking about my mama. My, my mama required it. See, you hear that? She required it. Yeah, you don't talk about, I mean, my daddy can whoop your daddy? Okay, whatever. Yeah. You don't talk about another man's mama, man. You just don't. You keep your mama out your mouth. And... I don't know if all of y'all know this. Dion worships his mother. Worships her. Well, let me tell you something. Why you don't give Dion? Why you don't? Why you don't say nothing about Dion them on on game day week? What makes a great player play harder? Bulletin board material, motivation. Them cats over there at Colorado. Them Sanders and the rest of them team. They looking for motivation. You hear every week they say, hey, he disrespected me at a camp three weeks ago. I mean, three years ago. Yeah. Uh, he disrespect. You know what I'm saying? They they thrive. Yeah. When you get in bullet boy material, they thrive on that. Thrive on it, man. Yep. So that's uh, that is now. It was always going to be must-watch TV just to see if Colorado – should do what they should do to an inferior opponent. Because Colorado State ain't no good. I mean, that's the that's the dirty little secret. Colorado State, I think, I was trying to look it up right quick, is like 3-21 and 21 in their last 24 games. Uh, uh, Nebraska sucked too. So, I don't know. Oh, they got, and Colorado State got beat 50-24 to 24 at the crib by Washington uh, last week. And so, you know, the other thing is, man, and I'm just, uh, you know, I would like to ask Jay this, and I'm sure somebody will. He was talking about, you know, we did all these interviews with ESPN, and we're just tired of this stuff and this and that. And my question is, what stuff are you tired of, man? Colorado is providing you a spotlight that you would never, ever, never get. Um, and so you should be happy that you got the spotlight, however you got it, and enjoy it and embrace it instead of being like, oh, everybody, ain't nobody giving us no respect. Everybody's just talking about Colorado. That's because Colorado is the hottest topic in college football, and you're not. And this was your way of, of uh, getting into the news, and I don't think it was very smart. Not at all. Uh, I'm going to tell you all this real quick, and then we're going to move on. Dion, one of Dion's favorite people is a guy named Vincent Dancy. He was the coach at Mississippi Valley State the last three or four years. They hit it off, and Dion is like Dancy's big brother. When Dion got the Colorado job, he called Dancy. He said, I know you're head coach. I want you to come with me to Colorado and be a defensive assistant, not a defensive line coach. Once basically a quality control assistant make about 35, 40 grand. 
And Dancer said, cool, I got you. I'll file my resignation tomorrow. And he came. Okay? So that tells you the level of their relationship, all right? Before they played Mississippi Valley State last year, Deion Sanders stood before his team on a Friday night, and he said, that man on the other sideline is one of my good friends. I love him to life. He's like a brother. But during them three or four hours that we play, I want to score so many points that the scoreboard explodes. Do you feel what I'm saying? That's the approach he took with his brother. Against his brother, yeah. That I want to blow you out and embarrass you. That was the approach he took with his brother. What do y'all think the approach he's going to take with a team that's actually undermanned that was talking smack? Hey, that's a good sermon right there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many points they will score. I do know they will try to score as long as there is time on the clock. That's what I know. And it won't matter what the score is. So. That's some good that's, stuff. That's some good stuff. He, he done made it about his mama. Man, yeah. man. Okay. True. Yeah. I'm just saying uh, that motivation, you know, that, that, yeah, good players get better and they always trying to find motivation. Always. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the intriguing games. One of the intriguing games is now. Don't laugh when I say this. It's Texas and Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming two and zero. Had a big win over uh, comeback win over Texas Tech last week at the crib. And now Texas, we all know what's up. Texas is back. Stop what are it. they? Stop it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Every time Texas win a game, that's what that's what people say. Now, not for real. Now you go to Alabama and you push Alabama around, and you really control the game. It wasn't nothing fluky about that thirty-four twenty-four win. Okay, now you are Texas. You showed us what you can do. Can you, after partying all week on Sixth Street, after being loved on by the co-eds, after having your parents tell you? How good you are. How great you played. Can y'all focus? And not just beat Wyoming. But beat Wyoming the way you should beat Wyoming. Can you play to your pedigree? And put that ass whooping on Wyoming that says, yes, we are Texas. We're not going to play around with inferior teams. There's a whole different squad. There's a whole different attitude. Let us show you. That's what I want to see. Can you do to Wyoming what you should do and beat them by three or four touchdowns? A couple of other interesting games. You got Georgia, South Carolina. You know, to beat number one team in the nation, we ain't heard a lot from Georgia lately other than they don't know how to drive down there. Always breaking, always going about 50 miles over the speed limit. Uh, so I'm also interested because one of the great reclamation stories in college football to me has been Spencer Rattler. You know, he was a five-star quarterback coming out of Phoenix uh, about three years ago, maybe four years ago. Went to Oklahoma. uh, Brash, arrogant, uh, good player, not a great player, but he was on the way to being a first-round draft pick. And then um, he didn't play well, 
And this is the area of the transfer portal. So guess who showed up, dog? Jalen Hurts showed up. And when Jalen Hurts showed up, Spencer Rattler was like, oh, I can see the writing on the wall. It's very clear. Let me get up out of here. That, he was, actually, South that was actually before the – I think uh, Caleb Williams showed up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was Caleb Williams, the freshman. Because Jalen went there before the transfer portal. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was Caleb Williams um, that showed up. He, Caleb Williams But he can see job. the writing on the wall. Yeah. So he bounced. But now he's, re, he's, he's reinvented himself in South Carolina. And now he's back on the NFL radar. Everybody's talking about uh, his maturity and how well he's playing. And South Carolina, not a great team. Um, and so I just want to see how he matches up with uh, Georgia and uh, whether he can do any damage. He lit Tennessee up last year. I don't, I don't think I don't. I, I know what you mean. It's intriguing, but he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna light the dogs up. He lit Tennessee up. I think for five touchdowns last year. All right. Well, I just want to see. I just yeah. want to see. He ain't doing nothing to the dog. I mean, I'm not a dog fan, but that's a lot of that's a lot of talent over well, there. Well, when I yeah, when I say light him up, I mean they might lose sixty three to twenty eight, oh. but he could play well. Okay, in yep. that loss, he could yep. you know he could throw for three hundred fifty yards and four yep. touchdowns, one interception, and everybody would be like, man, if he had some players around him, this would have been a game. Uh, yep. But since he don't, it wasn't. Right. Um, so that's what I'm looking for in college football this week. Uh, let's take a quick uh, trip around the block. Now, for those of you new to the program, going around the block is when we talk about things. I don't know, man. We, we might talk about streaming. Uh, me and Joe both like to play video games. We might talk about video games. Uh, most of y'all know I work out five, six days a week at uh, 5.30 because I'm trying not to be a fat guy. And so, um, you know, we might talk about that. But this week... Um, we're going to talk about my dad And my dad's having a birthday uh, Actually his birthday was yesterday So I talked to him for about 30 minutes uh, But uh, me, my sister, my brother uh, Are all meeting in Philadelphia Where my sister lives My brother lives in Phoenix And uh, my dad lives in Buffalo So he's going to Philly And then uh, we're all just going to celebrate his birthday Now it's a milestone birthday But my dad ain't celebrating it and here's why. My dad, uh, I told y'all his birthday was the other day. That puts him as a Virgo. Oh, he a true Virgo now. He all about him now. But here's the deal. My dad has always been an outside-the-box thinker. You know, he was, a, he was a guy who was seriously into mountain biking in his 60s. Like, seriously. Like, going up these big old mountains. Had, like, a $2,000 bike. All this stuff. In his 50s, he was in inline skating, you know, had some $500 skates and was skating 20 miles a day and, you know, all this. So when he gets into a hobby, he goes deep into a hobby. Well, as he gets older now, um, he's still a very young at heart person. And so he doesn't like to discuss how old he is. And I said, why not, man? You look great. He said, it ain't about how I look. When you tell somebody how old I am, they want to put me in a box and say, oh, you're this old. So this is what you can do. Well, this is what you can't do. And he says, I refuse to let any 12-letter cuss word put me in a box and tell me what I can and cannot do. <laughs> now, I'm serious. That's what he say. Um, for I example. Can, I can hear it. Yeah. For example, my dad still works. Okay. He has Social Security now for about, I don't know, 
over more than a decade. That man's still going to work. And I wish you would try to tell him not to work. I've already reconciled. This is me now. I've already reconciled that he's going to die in the office someday. He might be 102 or whatever. But, and that's because and he passes down to me. Work is not work to him. He enjoys it. Uh, what he does is he's an urban historian. If you're living in Dallas and, and he did a project in Dallas, his project would be something like, why did white folks live in South Oak Cliff in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s? Why did black folks start to move in the, in the South Oak Cliff in the 70s and take it over in the 80s and the 90s? And now why are Hispanic folks moving over there in the, in the 10s and the 20s and taking it over there now? And he would do a big project and a study on why that happened. And where, where did the white folks move to who used to live in South Oak Cliff? Why did they leave and where did they go? Why did the black folks move into South Oak Cliff? Now that they've left, where did they go? And where did the Hispanics who now live there, where did they come from? And who's next? Will they stay there or will some other group, you know, come back? Will they be gentrified and now white folks will move back over there? I don't know. But those are the things, the types of things that he studies. Um, now, this, the topic of my dad came up the other day because I was working out with my guys in the gym. And one of them doesn't get along with his dad. And he was, uh, he was saying, uh, you know, I just got to put my ego on the side. You know, he is my father. And I said, yeah, dog, and he ain't going to be here forever. And he said, no, you're right about that. I said, no, I'm, this is real talk, man. He's not going to be there forever uh, because, you know, my mother's been gone for 25 years now. Uh, but when you hit your 50s, then it really, to me anyway, it really crystallizes that, yeah, your parents are just not going to be here forever. Hopefully you got them both. Maybe you've got one. Uh, but you just need to, you need to enjoy them as much as you can because the reality of it is they're just not going to be here forever. And so uh, me and my dad get along great. Like I probably talk to him. I usually talk to him once a week. Uh, sometimes it's Sunday uh, before the Buffalo game because he's a season ticket holder with the Bills. Been one since the 80s. Sometimes it's Saturday. Now that I'm doing all this college football stuff, a lot of times he's been calling me on Saturday. Or I call him and we just chat, man. We chop, up, chop it up, solve all the world's problems. Uh, we might chat for 20 or 30 minutes or we might chat for an hour but uh, we talk every week and uh, uh, he helped me out of a jam a few months ago and he helped my brother out of a jam a few weeks ago and I was telling him this story that I was reminding him of this story he told me in college um, and my dad used to do this all the time he had helped me out with something in college and he said hey you got to treat me like that old veteran off the bench. I can come in and I can hit you a couple three-pointers to help you win a big game. You don't need to be playing me 30 minutes a game. <laughs> you need to save me for the big games. Pull me off the bench. Let me hit a couple buckets for you. And then you need to get back and take the game over. And uh, I never forgot that. And uh, I told him last week, I was like, hey, man, you remember that Freddie Brown story? He started laughing. I said, hey, man, I love you and I appreciate you. Uh, 
And he started laughing. I said, nah, I'm serious, man. I said, you've been a great dad, dog. I, I said, just like that. I said, you've helped us all at various times through, uh, through different jams that we've been in. You never complained about it. You just show up, save the day, and then go back to your office and work, man. And uh, he's, one of the, he's one of the smartest dudes I know and the most disciplined dudes I know. So this is my way of saying, if you haven't been celebrating your parents, for whatever reason, go celebrate your parents. If you have been celebrating your parents, then keep on celebrating them. Because once they're gone, they're gone. And I'm not going to get too emotional, but I, wouldn't, I, I, I would give everything to hug my mother one more time or talk to her one more time. Yes, indeed. Me too. I mean, I just give whatever. Yep. Uh, sometimes I pray that she come to me in a dream. Just so we can have a little chat. I told y'all I wouldn't get all emotional. But, you know, that's why you need to celebrate your parents. Because, once again, uh, they're not going to all be here. So my dad uh, is having, I don't know what the hell to call this thing this weekend. He won't allow us to call no birthday celebration. And it's my dad. He's like, no, nah, y'all had to come up with something else. I'm not selling. And don't buy me no cake with no numbers on it. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. So we just up there celebrating dad. There ain't no birthday. We just up there honoring him on his day. Uh, but that's what we're going to do this weekend. And so uh, I get to uh, watch the games up in Philly. My sister is a, I don't know how, she grew up in Buffalo mostly. But she's a Chicago Bears fan because that's where she went to college. I don't think she's adopted the Eagles. I think she's a Bears fan. But anyway, we'll be watching some football on Sunday. And uh, we will watch the Cowboys game and, all my relatives, uh, my dad, my sister, my brother, big sports fans. So best believe I won't have to fight to find the Colorado game on Sunday night and see if Dion hangs 60 or more on poor Colorado State. And right now, it's time to just about wrap up the show. And y'all know what that means, right? Come on now. Y'all know what that means. It's Thursday when we're taping, which means you're going to be listening on Friday, and you know what y'all get on Fridays. Y'all get whispers from the star. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast on Fridays. It's that time. Let's go. So, we're going to start with CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb had an interview session today. He's pretty good with the media. Had a good time. Talked about Sauce Gardner and how much he looked forward to the matchup with Sauce Gardner and why Sauce Gardner is a good good cornerback and why these are the games that tell him, that show him where he belongs in the hierarchy of NFL receivers. So he's looking forward to it, man. He's excited and he's like, hey, don't y'all sleep on DJ Reed, that other corner. He, he just as good as Sauce. They got two terrific corners. They're not going to travel, so we know where they're going to be. And Sauce, I'm going to line up against Sauce. I'm going to line up against DJ. May the best man win. Now, somebody asked him, said, hey, CJ, what makes uh, CD, what makes Sauce so good? He said, start with his height. He's tall. He's got length. Most cornerbacks don't look me in the eye. He does. He makes me play differently. Okay. Did y'all hear what I just said? He makes me play differently. Now, let me tell y'all why I am that dude. 
I don't say it often, okay? I really don't. But I am that dude because it is. That thing stuck in my head, and I said, I wonder what he means. And so I waited for CD, for CD to stop his interview. His interview was over. He's walking off, and everybody's trying to figure out if they're going to wait for Dak Prescott or if they're going to go in the locker room. But they're done with CD. So CD walks out. What you think I did, Joe? You talked to CD. I went right behind CD. Down the hallway, I said, hey, dog, CD. And he turned around and said, hey, dog, I got one question for you, man. I didn't want to slow you down in the, in, the, uh, in the scrum over there. He said, what you got? I said, man, when you said you've got to play differently with sauce, what did you mean? And this, my friends, is why you listen to the Jock Talk podcast to get that news you can't see here we get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast. And he looked at me and said, oh, he's so tall and he got great ball skills. He like Trayvon with the ball skills. So when you go up and the ball is up in the air, if you can play in a corner that don't have ball skills, you can let the ball come to you because I have better ball skills than the cornerback. So it can come to me and I can catch it. He said, when you're dealing with Trayvon in practice, or you got somebody like Sauce Gardner in the game, when the ball is up there, you have to go get that. He said, bitch. Ooh, I guess I said it now. He said, you have to go get that thing, bitch. Uh, and you have to aggressively take it. Otherwise, the corners will get in there and knock it down. So that's what he said. That's why he has to play differently with a guy like Sauce Gardner. And that's why CeeDee Lamb is looking forward to the matchup to show that he, too, can be one of the top receivers in the league. And I'm telling y'all, he have a big game against this set of corners, a 100-yard game, score a touchdown. Uh, cha-ching! That price just went up. Moving right along now. Big Joe and the Big Rig had a question for me, man. I didn't really realize it. Although, check this out. I noticed on um, Brandon Cook's Instagram, and his Twitter that he referred to himself as the Archer. And that was all very curious to me. And so it has to do with a Bible verse. Uh, but, it, but it's his trademark. And I, I always thought that was just kind of cool, man. And I, I only recognized it, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, and it popped up again when, um, when he took that flight <laughs> with uh, Gilmore and uh, Michael Parsons. Yeah, Jerry but, wasn't happy about that. <laughs> I don't think anybody was really happy about it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and the Bible verse, for those of you who are so inclined, uh, is uh, Psalms 144, verse 6. Uh, Shoot your arrows and rout them. And so, uh, you know, he's a very religious guy. I didn't realize it. Um, but uh, so anyway... You know, he's got a sprained MCL, so he wasn't talking today. He talked yesterday. He wasn't talking today. But right after I saw CD and talked to him, I went back to the uh, part where the media was gathering, waiting for Dak or Michael, whoever was coming next. And who did I see walking down the hallway, man? I saw Brandon Cooks. So I ran. I didn't ran, but I, I walked quickly but coolly because y'all know how I get down. And I said, hey, Brandon, I got a question for you, and it's not about your knee because he's about to walk into the weight room. And I'm, as a reporter, you're not allowed in the weight room. And he gave me a smile. I said, what's up? I said, hey, man, my boy. See, Joe, I gave you a shout out, though. I said, my boy wants to know. Now, I looked around like I was finna tell a secret. I was like, if the Archer celebration's coming back, man, 
Man, that dude flashed like a $40,000 smile at me because his teeth was perfect. And he said, yeah, it's coming back. And then I asked the follow-up. I said, big plays and touchdowns or just touchdowns? What do you think he said, though? Everything. No, man, just touchdowns. Bringing it back just for touchdowns. I said, hey, man, the people wanted to know. My boy been worrying me to death about it because, you know, sometimes you got to exaggerate things, make you feel more urgent. And he started smiling and said, I appreciate you, dog. And then he walked into the weight room. So, yes, the Archer celebration is coming back with Brandon Cooks. Y'all should enjoy that. Seem like, Moving right uh, along. Hold on. Huh? Seems like the NFL has said something to him about that. Uh, that, well, that, was, that, was, that was, I would want you to follow up with that because it seemed like they didn't like it. And maybe he explained to him why he did it. That's why he can bring it back. Because, you know, they're against any show of, like, violence or something. But I remember that now that you, now that you explained it, that's pretty, that's, that make it even cooler. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I, I always liked it. I would have told him I was shooting Cupid arrows, man. Well, why man, y'all, why y'all always he, focus on the violence? It seemed, like, it seemed like he was, like, shooting the DB. You know what I'm uh, saying? It was, yeah. but you didn't. I didn't know what it was about, but it was it was it, it was a great celebration. It was it was dope. So you know. All right. Cool. Well, I'll ask him about that next time I see him. Uh, moving right along here, I have a great story. Or let me see. No, this is an interesting story. I have a great story later. Interesting story on Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore is turning into one of my boys. Because I walked past him today and we made eye contact. Okay, let me, let me take y'all behind the curtain a little bit. Every reporter is not quite as engaging as me. Some of them are somewhat annoying. And so I walked by, I saw this dude talking to him who's borderline annoying. And so I went around and I circled back and he was by himself. I said, hey, dog, did I need to save you when I walked by the first time? He started laughing. He said, dog, man, it was cool. I said, because, you know, I got you if you need me. Just give me that look. And I'll come save you. He started laughing. And so I asked him a question that I love to ask NFL players. Okay. Uh, Stefan Gilmore went to South Carolina. I asked him, why you go to South Carolina? He said, I'm from South Carolina. I said, I know, dog, but you was a good player. You had other options. He said, okay, yeah, I did. Uh, I was looking at Alabama. I said, how come you ain't go to Bama? He said, they had Dre Kilpatrick. He's the hometown hero. I wasn't going there. And then, dog, you know what he said after that? He said, Clemson didn't want me. Now, he's a kid who grew up in South Carolina. Clemson didn't want you? I said, I said forgive me because I don't know. What kind of player in high school were you? Were you a two-star, you a three-star, a five-star? He said, no, nah, I was a four-star. He said, but I didn't have a lot of height on me right then, and they were all about the measurables. I said, oh. He said, man, they told him, he said, I went on a visit to Clemson and the coach looked me in the eye and said, I would never start for them. I looked at him and I said, he said, never? He said, that man told me I would never start for them. I said, dog, really? That don't seem cool to me. Like, you don't know my heart. What if I grow six inches and gain 50 pounds? And then I said, so how did that make you feel? He said, well, at one, at one level, I was glad they were honest with me. They could have lied to me, and I might have ended up going there. But once he said that, I was never going there. And then he said, then I made sure, since I went to South Carolina, that we beat them every time we played them. And so we was 3-0 and in the games I played them. And then he said, 
You know who told me that? You know who the coach was? I said, oh, no, dog, who's the coach? He said, Billy Napier. That would be Billy Napier who's the head coach where, Joe? You got I me? Believe. No, he's the head coach at the University of Florida, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they about to run him out of town. Yep. Yeah. Small world. Stephon Gilmore, not good enough to play at Clemson, said they never start. Tenth pick in the draft from South Carolina, made a fantastic interception uh, that helped uh, turn a close game into a blowout against the Giants. And I asked him on that play. He said, I said, what did you see on that play? He said, oh, I saw it the whole way. He said, Daniel was running out of bounds because Michael was trying to kill him. And I saw who he was trying to throw to. He said he, said he had that throw for, for a second, a literal second. But he took more than a second. And when he threw it, I knew I had it because I, I broke on it clean. It was just a matter of getting my hands up under it. And I saw I got my hands up under it. It was good. I knew I had it. I didn't, I didn't need to look at the video or nothing. I knew it was mine. And so uh, that, that was the play of the interception. And that was uh, Stefan Gilmore. Nice chat with him today. Uh, you know, so that's what we do, man. We, we bring you the inside story on these guys and the news on these guys and whispers from the star. Now, you won't believe this next story. I guess. And it deals with special teams ace C.J. Goodwin. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about C.J. Goodwin, man. What college did C.J. Goodwin go to? I don't know. <laughs> hey, I just know he's number 29, and he's been, he been, you know, he's he a pretty good special teams player. Doug, he went to uh, Fairmount College. I would, and then yeah, he tra- yeah. He yeah, been to a lot of what, places. That's what I thought. No, that ain't what I thought. Who the hell knows? No, and then is. he went to Bethany College. And then he went to California University of Pennsylvania. Okay. This is what I love most. So I'm talking to CJ, and you know, a lot of times you talk to these special teams guys, and they now he's he doesn't fit into this category, but special teams guys can be some of your best sources on a uh, on a beat. Why? Because nobody really talks to them a lot, yet they're in the same meetings that everybody else is in, so they know everything going on that everybody else would know, but nobody talks to them about it. So I told him, I saw him today. I said, "Duh." You got him one more year, didn't you? He started laughing. He said, yeah, I got him. And uh, I'm talking about being in the league as a special teams ace for yet another year. Because do you know how long he's been playing in the league, man? Ten years. You're exactly right. Ten years. You know how he got to the league? It's the most amazing thing ever, bro. So I asked him, I said, how you end up getting to the league, man? And this man told me, you know, I was a basketball player, man. I didn't even play football. I said, well, how you start playing at California, Pennsylvania? That man told me he was playing basketball in an intramural game and dunked on the head coach. And the head coach said, oh, I'll see you on the football field tomorrow. <laughs> so he went and played football. Um, but that's not how he got to the league. You know how he got to the league, man? This is amazing. When he was in high school, uh, his older brother was friends, or I'm sorry, played basketball on the same team with Mel Blunt, the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame son, Hall of Famer son. CJ was at the game watching his brother play. Uh, he was 17 years old. 
He walked past Mel Blunt, and Mel Blunt told him, young man, pull your pants up and take that earring out of your ear, and I'll have a job for you tomorrow if you want it. Well, he didn't have a job. And he said, well, how much does it pay? He said it pays $10 an hour. So he pulled his pants up. He took his earring out. And he showed up the next day at Mel Blunt's farm. And he shoveled horse manure for a year for $10 an hour. And he worked at that farm whenever he was out of college for the next seven years for Mel Blunt. And because he's a great athlete, uh, when his playing time was over, Mel Blunt called the Steelers and said, hey, I've got this great athlete for you. You need to take a look at him. He went, ran a 4'3 something. He was 6'3, 200 pounds. They put him on a practice squad in 2014, and that started his NFL journey with the Falcons for two years, with the Cardinals for a portion of a year, with the Giants in 49 for parts of 2018 along with the Bengals and then he found a home in Dallas in 2018 and he ain't left and he said man sometimes I think about how I was making $800 a week shoveling horse shit on Mel Blunt's farm and I make $800,000 a year and all I got to do is run down and cover kicks and punts that my friends is a story that I love to tell because it's about hard work perseverance and the true American dream Last story I got for y'all today in this extended, oh, we finna jam in this extended version of uh, Whispers from the Star is I had a chat with Michael Gallup today. First thing I said is, hey, man, what's wrong with your school, dog? Why, that, why y'all messing with Dion? He said, man, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Tell everybody I ain't got nothing to do with that. Matter of fact, I might not even root for my team this week because what they did was wrong. They talked about that man's mama. He said, who talks about somebody's mama, dog? I looked at him and said, hey, man, that's your school. We don't do that at Ohio State, man. He just gave me the side idea. But check this out. So I asked him, I said, Mike, what's the difference, man, between what your body can do now and what it couldn't do last year? He said, everything. He said, I was trying as hard as I could, but my body just was not cooperating last year. He said, but I didn't notice it until I looked at film, and I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm out there because I just can't do nothing. I got to lean on people to create separation, and then I still can't separate. I can't get in and out of my cuts with any burst. I'm just... I'm trying as hard as I can, but it just ain't working. I said, when did it change? He said, man, it did not change until the offseason. I was working out at Dax's house for the second time, and I said, I'm going to go full blast today because I feel good. And I ran hard, and my cuts were explosive, and afterwards, I had no pain. And I was like, he said, I was driving home, and I kept thinking, okay, I still have no pain. I still have no pain. I still have no pain. Okay, I think I'm back. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, man, every other time I work out, my body, my leg would start throbbing during the workout. And so I just couldn't get no relief. That was the first time where I had no pain after the workout. And so I felt great. And uh, it just built from there. He said, so my body is great. I can do everything I need to do. I'm ready to contribute. I'm ready to have a big year. All I need is opportunities. And that's the Michael Gallup story. And he should get some opportunities this week, especially if Brandon Cooks can't play. So, we appreciate you guys hanging with us today. I think this has been a pretty good episode of Jock Talk. Hey, don't forget, man, we need y'all, especially now when we're getting this thing cranked up. Please rate, 
review, and most importantly, hit that subscribe button. So Jams, Jock Talk, see, I did the Shannon Sharp. So Jock Talk will come straight to you. You don't have to go look for it to come straight to you. We're everywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, Audible, everywhere. We're still working with Apple trying to go through their protocols. They're getting on my nerves, but uh, we're everywhere. Come get us. Uh, for Big Joy, the Big Rig, who produced the show, I'm Sean Jacques Taylor. Be blessed until we talk again.